I looked at the user agent, which is this piece of data, which tells you what kind of client it is. And for this particular client, it was something that I, I didn't understand. It didn't say Chrome, it didn't say Firefox. It wasn't formatted like they normally were. This is Mario Visic, an Envato developer. I'm Courtney Carthy. Mario's remembering a time in the old Flinders Street office when this strange word appeared in the place where the user agent's info is supposed to be, one that's made a request to the Envato server. So it should contain the browser and the system information of the user, but instead it's a word, an odd word, that Mario can't recall so many years later, but he Googles this word. And there was two hits that came up. There was one hit it was that really didn't make sense, and there was one hit from our forums, right? And I clicked on this link, and it, it was just kind of a weird thing, and it, didn't, it wasn't really any information about it, you know, it wasn't really kind of anything. And so I kind of thought, well, I'll search on our forums for this term. And I searched for it, and then the forum stopped working. And then I was like, that's a bit weird. And then I just, I was, I was using, um, you know, ThemeForest um, and Marketplace, and, and that was also kind of offline. I kind of thought, oh, maybe the internet's broken. So I check, you know, I just Google something, that's all working. And so suddenly the Marketplace stopped working, and, um, but everything else was working fine. I didn't think much of it. Anyway, 30 minutes later, I'd figured out what had happened because that uh, name was the name of a tool you might use to try and attack a website or try and find vulnerabilities in it. And we had this um, list of um, banned phrases that you, you couldn't search in the forums. And if you search for one of them, it would block your uh, IP address from accessing the, um, the website. And I was at the office at the time. So what had happened was by searching this term, I had banned our entire office from accessing the marketplaces that we run and caused a lot of confusion because no one in the office could access it and people didn't really connect it up and I didn't think anything of it. But then all the metrics are saying, no, the website's up and we can see all the traffic coming in. And it took us a while to figure out, oh, no, actually, you know, we, we, while we did have an, I think we had an exception for our address, it was kind of, that exception happened after this block, if that makes sense. So the block was, was happening first and it was just, you know, 20 or 30 minutes of people going, I don't know what's happening. Like, the website's fine, and I can, if I try and, you know, and then someone, I think, eventually tried on their mobile phone and it worked. Thankfully, it didn't break anything, but made for a confusing 30 minutes before they figured it out. I told the now Chief Technology Officer, James Ross, about the situation. Oh, and that was the office I've heard, right? Yeah, it was the office. <laughs> it hasn't been the only time either. We've done that in my time here, like, like, and and when when you have a post incident review about something like that, you reflect that maybe that's not so smart to have the office IP address be special. <laughs> so we've worked our way out of having the office IP address be anything meaningful because these days with our flexible work, people work from home and people, you know, the office is not crucial to our operations anymore because most of the people aren't even in the office. Getting locked out for half an hour might be annoying at the time, might be funny in retrospect, and one of the more trivial tech things that happens when you're running a global business like Envato, one that's completely reliant on the web for revenue. But being one of the biggest websites in the world also makes you a big target. One of the arrows that sometimes fired at that target, distributed 
denial of service DDoS attacks. Welcome to Scale Up from Launch Vic. Thanks for listening. This episode, Mario's alarm goes off and he has a frantic time being on call. And James, he takes us through the process when their sites have been hit with a DDoS attack from a chief technology officer's perspective. That's all ahead in a moment. Scale Up is here thanks to Launch Vic, leading the development of a globally connected startup ecosystem by supporting startups and investors here in Victoria. It's also developed fantastic resources for people at all. It's also developed great resources for people at all levels of involvement. Check out launchvic.org. That's launchvic.org. Have a look while you're listening to this episode. And do let a friend know about ScaleUp, someone interested in fast-growing tech companies here in Australia where global businesses have been and are being founded all the time, reaching far beyond our land down under. Uh, developers have an on-call roster where people have to be on-call um, if anything happens. Campaign manager Lindsay Andrew, and for the period of time, there's a primary person. No matter what time of day it is, they're the one that hears the alarm go off first. Mario Vizic, we heard him at the start of the show, tends to sleep with his laptop and phone next to him when he's on call. You know, if I get woken up at 2 a.m., then I don't want to have to wander into the next room in the dark to try and find my laptop or wake someone up or something like that. So one night he's on call for Invato's Marketplace. Big responsibility. This makes the most money, has the most authors selling the most digital products. The biggest, big important one. And I was on call for that this evening. And I was going in bed. I literally got into bed and I, I had my laptop out and we have... An engineer that works with us in France, uh, Emmanuel, is, is a really lovely guy, sweet guy, and he um, does some of the off hours on call so that people don't have to be up at odd hours. And it was I don't know, 11 p.m. and I'm having a chat to Emmanuel and just saying, oh, what's what's you know what's the go? Is there anything I need to be you know anything I should know about? Like, is there going to be any false alarms that I need to know about, or is a system just being changed so that you know I might possibly see some errors there? And we're having a bit of a chat while they're having this routine chat. The site goes down. It was entirely unavailable, right? And you just couldn't access it at all. So um, this website um, gets hundreds of requests every second. So we, within a minute, we might get you know 5,000 requests. Um, it's a very highly trafficked website. At one point, it was in the top 100 websites in the world. And for context, that's higher ranked than Google.com.au. So imagine all the traffic of Google.com.au, all of Australia searching on Google. We have more traffic going through this website. The first thing you do is go, okay, let's see if I can get to the site. You know, let's see if this alert is a false alarm or, or if it's, it's really happening. So I go and I look and kind of loading really slow, trying to figure out what's happening. We're looking at our metrics. We've got all these beautiful tools that help us visualize all the data coming in and, and what's kind of happening. And you can see that some requests are getting through, but the requests that are getting through are very slow and some are just not making it all. And so... You know, I'm having a chat to Emmanuel. Thankfully, he's in France, so the time zone's aligned. He's still up, and we're having a bit of a look. And, and, then, and then it just kind of got worse, and then everything kind of went offline almost entirely. And what had happened was we were getting this uh, distributed denial of service attack. Someone controlling a set of computers, possibly through illegal means, probably through illegal means, 
has said to them all at once, go to this website. Like 500 people showing up to a cafe and all expecting to be served at the same time. For help, Mario calls an external service provider. Customers can't buy things on the sites because they're not working and it's starting to get beyond his technical expertise. Sites down, it's costing us money. There's a second on call, which was my manager at the time. You want to be careful when you wake someone up. I think it's it, it'd been probably a little while by this point. It probably, you know, like time had passed. So it might have been 12 o'clock or, or 1 a.m., I can't remember. So I called my manager, John. Uh, he was the secondary on call. His number's there. Give him a ring and say, everything's broken. It's 1 o'clock. It's all miserable. Please help. For hours, the attack doesn't let up. Working with this provider who does kind of DDoS protection, they have a service running that sits on top of our website that's supposed to help mitigate these attacks, but by the sheer amount of traffic, it just wasn't working. And so, yeah, it was you know hours and hours on the phone trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And the site came online hours later, but you know still high tensions. You're still kind of monitoring everything. Um, there's a few little ups ups and downs. These people are still hammering the site like that's not stopped, but. We're just managing to kind of flip the right switches so we can kind of detect this kind of traffic and not let it let it through. And uh, yeah, and eventually it all came online. I think it was about five or six a.m. I was still in bed with my laptop with the with the nightlight on. You know, the sun was starting to come up this stage, and I just said to John at that point, John, it's um, I might go to sleep, mate. Can you can you can you kind of take you know take over? And then uh, I think I went to bed and. Arrived at the office at 2 p.m. or something. I don't know. I can't remember. The amazing thing was, you know, like you're you're not alone. Like there's all there's, uh, you know, there's a secondary, and you know they have someone to call. So there's like this chain of command almost that you call someone and go, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, I, I I've looked at the alert. I don't know what's happening. Like, just help me out. It was interesting because there's always things you can improve, right? Um, there's always uh, things in retrospect, and it's kind of hard. Because at the time, you, you know, you, like there's such high pressure sometimes. Um, even when there's not high pressure, it can just feel like there's such high pressure. So you're trying to make these decisions pretty quickly. So we put a lot of effort into trying to document these processes so that if you get this kind of error, you look at you can look at something and go, okay, this kind of error means roughly these things, and I can kind of work through it. But so one of the things we do after any incident is we have this thing called a um, post-incident review. It's, it's a thing called a blameless post-mortem. Have you heard about those mm -hmm. before? And so what we do in those is we try and set up a timeline of events, try and figure out what went wrong, and, and we usually set action outcomes to, to, um, to, to improve things for next time and kind of go, well, this didn't really work. Let's, let's make this new documentation or change how the system works or you know, do this particular thing so we don't get these repeats in the circumstances. Most responsible for all this overall for Envato at a senior level is the CTO, James Ross. So my, my role is essentially um, the leadership and management of all the tech, like the people who write the code, yeah. right? And my primary responsibility is to make sure that all of our sites stay up because 100% of Envato's revenue is online. This is not like our website is supporting some other business, right? It's, if the sites are down, there's no money. So uh, we have a lot, of, uh, a lot of what my team does is uh, not just in the development side, 
we are heavily involved in building the functionality for new products, but we're also heavily involved in operations. Yeah. So just making sure that the uh, business keeps running is a big part of it as well. Not so enthusiastic about DDoS attacks either. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I don't like that there's mean people on the internet, but I don't seem to be able to do anything about it. But some of what those mean people do is obviously memorable. Yeah. July 2015 was the biggest uh, DDoS attack we've had. Um, that took market down for about 12 hours. So uh, to give you an idea of the commercial impact, I think we analyze that to be around a million dollars impact okay so um, we've had others that have been lasted uh, six hours four hours but that one in July 2015 um, was a very very poor timing so we had a DDoS protection mechanism that needed to be turned on when required right so when you notice you're under attack, you press the red button and the protections go on, right? And I ended up thinking I didn't really like that. There's other ones that cost more, but are just always on. So when you're talking about a website that if it's down, you're losing tens of thousands of dollars an hour, then the half an hour the developer takes to work out what's going on and realize it's a DDoS attack and turn it on is worth a fair bit of money, right? So you can spend $10,000, you can lose $10,000 while responding when a system that would always be on would cost you less than that extra a month, right? So I, I came to the view that we should just get out of the business of turning this thing on and off to just get the more expensive one that was always on, okay? so. June 30, 2015, I signed the deal with the new vendor, right? Like, you know, because you can always get a better deal if you end of the point, right? So, okay, so I signed it, sent it off. Something like 1 a.m. the next morning, July 1, the biggest DDoS attack we've ever seen. It's before we've been able to implement the new system, clearly, because I just signed it. So that was not fun. If you are under serious attack, the vendors who are professionals at this, like the Akamai's and the Cloudflare's, they will help you. We got a lot of help from the vendors to, to get through that. And yeah, it's not, not a lot of fun. And, and it's a, we still don't know why they did it. You know, we don't know who, who did it. The thing that was concerning about that episode in, in mid 2015 was Sometimes the DDoS attacks just look like drive-bys, like they just notice they're just sweeping through all the websites in the world and they spend some time attacking you and they move on again. But that one, they hit market, and then while we are dealing with market, they hit studio, and then while we were dealing with studio, they hit Tuts, I think, Tuts Plus. So the, that was really scary because it was they're clearly after Envato. They're looking at all of our properties and they're turning the heat up on over here and distracting us and then going and turning it on over here. So it was, that was the only time that's happened to us. That was disconcerting. Looking for some light at the end of the tunnel, I asked James if it's a relief when you see the traffic drop off and you realise that the attack is over. No, no, you don't. 
it's it's it does come in waves it's like it comes in waves you don't know when it's over you're swatting flies like you're seeing where the attacks are coming from and uh you have you know you can put an ip block on a you can just refuse traffic from a certain area of the internet which will kill legitimate customers as well but you just have to do that mm. you just gotta have... so there's a bunch of mechanisms you're putting in place and you're then when you're able to deliver normal traffic to normal people you start pulling them down and making sure that everyone can come back in safely you know then we move to a model where the protections were always on uh, like I, I i believe that ddos uh protection should be handled by the professionals not by people like us that is a um that's a professional game that's a full-time professional game so for many years we've been in the hands of the professionals much <laughs> Much better. I don't, I don't care about the money. <laughs> Some might assume there would be a touch of revenge that builds during or after there's been an attack. No. Let it go. Let it go. DDoS attacks are common on the web. Akamai, a company that monitors internet traffic, counted an average of 200 million monthly attacks on web applications in 2018. In the first quarter of 2019, that number had doubled to 400 million monthly attacks. There's a link in the show notes to that report if you're interested. That's it for this episode. In just a moment, a little bit of what's up next time, number six in the series. ScaleUp is brought to you by LaunchVic, Victoria's startup ecosystem development agency. Find out more information about what's going on in Victoria's tech startup scene by going to launchvic.org. That's launchvic.org. If you're enjoying this season, you might like either of the previous two seasons, the first on Culture Amp and the second on Redbubble. Do tell a friend about ScaleUp or share the show on your socials. Leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcast. We read them all and it's great to get your feedback. So coming up next episode, something a little more cheery. That it's you know you think people will be like ah I just won the lottery type reaction, but it's just it takes a little bit of time to compute, which I don't think you anticipate until it actually happens. And they're like, I just what? <laughs> this is amazing. Looking forward to that one. I'm Courtney Carthy. Thanks for listening to Scale Up from LaunchVic. <laughs>